Glad to see you all here. Um, I went up to Medford today and on the way, of course, saw all the, if you haven't been up there, you'd see all the, the fire damage in the Phoenix talent area. It's, it's quite extensive. Um, but there are some false things going around out there. I heard that the Home Depot burned down, and it did not burn down, by the way. So, <laughs> but there are a lot of things it did, and a lot of people have been displaced. And uh, so keep, keep those people in your prayers. And uh, for all the believers that are up there, uh, that they would glorify God in their, uh, in their response to this, uh, these tragic things. This fire is just going on everywhere. So it's something for us to keep in mind as we pray. Uh, and if you have your Bibles with you, hopefully you do. If you don't, there's, I don't know if there's any in the pew racks or not. Are there? No? Okay. Well, hopefully you have a Bible in some fashion, even if it's on your phone. Uh, we'll be looking again at the book of Malachi. So if you'll turn there, uh, we'll continue on in our series there, and we are in chapter 2 of the book of Malachi. And for those of you that might be watching online, or even if you're watching it later than tonight on the recorded version, uh, we've got plenty of seats here. If you guys are uh, feeling up to it, we would love to have you come down and join us here. Uh, it's, it's uh, of course, different when we're in person and we get to uh, fellowship with one another in that way. Uh, so I would encourage you to, uh, to feel free uh, to come down and join us on Wednesday nights for some singing and, uh, and for a time of teaching. Uh, Malachi chapter 2. Last week we, we entered into chapter 2 of the book of Malachi, which began with a really strong, extremely strong rebuke of the priests uh, God said through the prophet that he was sending a curse upon them. Uh, in fact, God said he already cursed them. Um, verse 2 said that in chapter 2 of Malachi, uh, and that he was specifically cursing their blessing. And remember that any blessing that the priests or the people had were always from God himself. God is the supplier of blessing. The blessings that the priests had in addition to the blessings of all of God's people were that God were God's special provision for them as the priests, as they would benefit from the offerings of the people brought, um, brought to give to God. The priests uh, partook of that uh, for their provision. They also had the respect and the honor of the people because of their position as servants of God. Uh, they had the, the privilege of being in service to God, um, to, to teach the word of God to his people, to offer prayers uh, up to God for his people, uh, and, and making atonement for their sin through the sacrificial system that God had set up. Uh, this, was, this was an honorable thing. It was a, a position of, of privilege and distinction. But these blessings were now taken away from them according to what we read last week. Uh, that is the idea of this, this curse. Uh, this is the removal of God's blessing. Um, they would now get the opposite of, of what they had. Instead of honor in the eyes of the people, they would be despised. Again, this is particularly uh, pointed to the priests. Okay, uh, Instead of their sons being able to be in service to God, they are rebuked as well. Their, their offspring is rebuked. 
they were now to be looked at the same way that the, the dung and other body waste from the animals that were being sacrificed was looked at. It was, it's only good for being taken outside of the camp and throwing, being thrown on the ash heap and burned. Uh, God said that he was, he was putting dung on their faces, that they would be seen in this way. And God did this for a reason and with a purpose. He did it for a reason and with a purpose. Uh, and if you, if you haven't been here on Wednesday nights before, we're trying to provide an opportunity for uh, people to uh, engage a little bit. So I'm going to ask a question. Feel free to answer. Um, the question I would ask here is, what, would, what was God's reason for cursing the priests? If you were here last time, you'd know this, or you can look at it there in the passage in the first part of chapter 2. But what was God's reason for cursing the priests? They don't honor his name, absolutely, okay? They did not lay it to heart that his name was to be honored. That's what we learned about last week. They did not lay it to heart. And remember, to, to lay it to heart has a significant meaning to it. To take it to heart means that they believe God. They believe what he says about himself. You, you agree with God in your heart, meaning the core of your being, okay? Not in the, the organ in your chest, but at the core, okay, from within, you believe God absolutely and what he says about himself, okay? And they did not do that. They did not lay it to heart. Malachi 2.2 says, If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Okay, by neglecting their responsibilities and despising the name of the Lord, which we saw a lot of that in chapter 1, they brought dishonor to his name in the eyes of the people. They were sending the message that God was not worthy to be worshipped the way that he said he was to be worshipped. His laws could be ignored. Uh, he was just fine with their modified version of obedience. Okay, that's the, the message being sent by the priests because of their actions and how they were leading the people. So the reason for the curse was that they did not believe God that his name was to be honored. Next question, what about the purpose? What was the purpose for the curse that we saw in verse 4 of chapter 2? What was the purpose? Anyone? Don't be shy. Okay. Yeah. So God's purpose here really is, is twofold. So they would know, first of all, so that they would know this was not just Malachi speaking, but was from the Lord. This was a word from the Lord, okay, through Malachi. But God was doing this in particular so that they would know it's from him. Malachi can't curse their blessing, but God can. Okay, and secondly, so that his covenant with Levi may stand. Okay, that's, that's God's purpose here, that they would know he's doing this, nobody else is doing this, God himself is doing this, cursing, and so that his covenant with Levi may stand. Look again at verse 4 of chapter 2. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. 
God's concern here is not that the priests maintain their good name before the people. Um, God doesn't let this slide so that the priests don't have to feel bad about themselves. God is only concerned with his holy name. Okay, that's it. God is concerned with his holy name. So he curses them. These things didn't just happen to them as as a result. Uh, No, God cursed them and removes their blessing in order to remove them from his service and to be perceived by the people as if they had dung smeared on their faces. That's why God did this, that these priests would be looked at by the people in a particular way, that they would not be honored any longer because they did not bring honor to the name of the Lord. Again, God's purpose in this curse is that his name would receive the honor that it's due and that his covenant with Levi may stand. And that is what we're going to talk about tonight, God's covenant with Levi. Okay, and before we move forward any further, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the, the folks that have come down to uh, participate in this time of singing and hearing from your word. And for all those that may, may hear this in a recorded version, Lord, we, we ask that you would do as you please with your word, uh, that it would have an effect on our hearts, on our minds. And Lord, I, I do continue to pray for all those affected by the fires, Lord, that you would, um, your will would be done there, Lord, in their lives, and their thinking. I pray that they would be drawn to you, that you'd use this, these kinds of tra- tragic events to bring honor to your name, Lord. Uh, use your, your people as you see fit in that task, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as I, as I said, we're going to talk about God's covenant with Levi because that's what God talks about in this passage, okay? He's, he's talking about his covenant with Levi here, so that's what we'll look at. Um, so let's read chapter 2, verses 5 through 9 uh, in your Bibles. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. Okay, he's, now remember, in 4, he's just finished saying that he's doing this so that his covenant with Levi will stand. And he says, My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge." And people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways but show partiality in your instruction. Okay, in a, in a short statement to explain the covenant with Levi um, and what that was, one commentator said, the covenant of Levi was the ministry of the priests. Okay, that, that's a true statement. The covenant of Levi was the ministry of the priests. The priestly duties were given to Levi. 
But who's Levi? Levi was one of the sons of Jacob, whose sons became the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. So one of the tribes is named after Levi, and that is why they are called the Levites. Okay? And they have a, a whole book of the Bible named after them called Leviticus. Okay? And that's where we find a lot of God's instruction to the people and to the priests about how the priests are supposed to do their job and what the people's responsibility is, what the priest's responsibility is. So they have a whole whole book there. We don't have any a book for Zebulun, the tribe of Zebulun. They didn't get a book. Could have been called the Zebulus or Benjamin didn't have a book called Benjamiticus. Uh, but but the priests they have a book called Leviticus. Um, and so this is where, again, where God gives them uh, all of his instructions. And when Levi was living, God's law had not yet come, and, and there were no priests, in fact. In fact, you can't find any place in the Bible where God makes a covenant with Levi himself and instructs Levi to be a priest or what the priests are supposed to do. So, so how is it then that God can talk about his covenant with Levi in in this usage of the name, God is referring to Levi, the tribe, the tribe of the Levites. Okay? Uh, his covenant for the priesthood came to the descendants of Levi. So in that sense, his covenant was with Levi, okay? because it was with his descendants. Um, I want to go look at a passage in Exodus chapter 6, if you'll turn there. And after that, we're going to be spending a little bit of time in Leviticus. But for now, Exodus chapter 6. And we'll look at verses 16 through 23. Okay, and this is in the section where we have the genealogy of Moses and Aaron. Okay, uh, Verses 16 through 23. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. I don't know if I got that right. Merari. The years of the life of Levi being 137 years. Okay, he lived 137 years. Uh, verse 17, the sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimei by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel. The years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Ishar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri, the sons of Uz- Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri, Aaron took his wife, Elisheba, the daughter of Aminadab, and the sister of Nashon, and wife, Elisheba, the daughter of Aminadab, and the sister of Nishon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Okay, wow, those are really difficult names to pronounce, so you can go home and try to learn those Uh, and (laughs) come back and tell me how to do it. Um, Okay, so Levi, in all all those names, what we see is that Levi uh, fathered Kohath, 
Kohath fathered Amram, and Amram fathered Aaron and Moses. Okay? Uh, so, so who was Levi? He's Aaron and Moses' great-grandfather. Okay, they are in the tribe of Levi. They come from Levi, and they're not, not too far off, although people were living 137 years, apparently, at the time. So, uh, Now, there's a section of Scripture. Now, now we're going to go over to Leviticus. We'll spend a little bit of time there. Um, so if you want to turn there to chapter 8, that's where we'll be looking first. But there's a section of Scripture in Leviticus, uh, chapter 8 through chapter 10, where God commands Moses to bring Aaron uh, and his sons to be consecrated or prepared and dedicated to the priesthood. Okay, that's where we, we see this covenant that's being talked about. So we'll go over to uh, Leviticus chapter 8. Okay, we'll read. We're not going to read all of chapter 8 through chapter 10. Okay, that will take a long time. Um, but we're going to read some, of, some parts of it, okay? Starting with Leviticus chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, and we'll see here what God commands Moses to do with Aaron and his sons, uh, verses 1 through 5. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil and the bull of the sin offering and the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And I said five, right? Yeah. And Moses said to the congregation, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. Okay, stop there for a minute. This is what God had commanded to be done, that he would gather Aaron and his sons, bring them before the tent of, uh, in front of the tent of meeting before the people. And the rest of chapter 8 and 9 are, are all the ceremonial things, including sacrifices uh, and, and him dipping his, Moses dipping his finger in blood and putting it on earlobes. There's all kinds of things there you can go and read later. This whole ceremony of, of dedicating Aaron and his sons to the priestly service. And this took, it took seven days. All that, all that God had him do took seven days, and on the eighth day, Aaron then comes out and blesses the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Okay, and so let's look at that. If you move over to Leviticus chapter 9, okay, we'll look at verses 22 through 24 and see what happens here when, when Aaron appears. Verse 22, Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and, and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. So when Malachi writes the words of God, where God mentions his covenant with Levi, this is what he's talking about. This is where God set up the priesthood, dealing directly with Aaron and his sons. Okay? They, are, they are descendants of Levi, so he's, his covenant is with Levi in that sense. Okay? Something else that is important to note from the pages of Leviticus is that we see almost immediately God's 
anger is kindled toward the priests. And, and he must deal swiftly with their, their lack of obedience. Okay, and what God does here in Leviticus at the beginning of the priesthood is different from what he did in Malachi's day and what we've been reading in that it is swift and deadly. And this was because of the actions of two of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. Okay, uh, drop right down to chapter 10, look at verses 1 through 5. Okay, chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 of Leviticus. Now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire, your translation may say strange fire, before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. They were all new to the priesthood, but these two did not take something seriously. They were not concerned with attention to God's command about what to offer him and and how to offer it. Okay, so, so God did something here with Nadab and Abihu. What was God's goal in what he did to Nadab and Abihu? What was his goal? We know what he did. He consumed them with fire. What was his goal? Yeah, I couldn't hear all that, but I thought I heard you say something about that God would be obeyed. Okay? To fear his name. name. Absolutely. Okay, sounds familiar, right? To what we've been looking at in in Malachi. His goal there in what he did with them is is that he will be seen as holy, set apart. Okay? God has said, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. Nadab and Abihu did not lay it to heart that God's name is to be honored. Okay, here we are right at the beginning of the priesthood. And God has to take this kind of action to, to make sure that his name is honored among the people. Okay, And one more thing in regard to the book of Leviticus. Uh, and then we'll get back to Malachi. All of this has been related to what's going on uh, with the priests in Malachi's day, and, and this has been really has been laying some groundwork for understanding the Malachi passage a little better. Okay, so so our last thing in in uh, Leviticus here is chapter ten, verses eight through eleven. Okay, now this is God speaking uh, directly to Aaron. Okay, remember it's Aaron's two sons that have been killed, have been consumed by this fire. Okay. Um, I didn't read the whole passage I was going to read, by the way. Let me just read verses 4 and 5 in chapter 10 because it finishes up what happened with Nadab and Abihu. Okay? Verse 4, this is right after uh, they were consumed by fire. Aaron held his peace. Verse 4 says, And Moses called Mishael and Eliphan, the sons of Uzael, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front 
of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. Remember, so this is something that, that everyone's seeing. Okay? These two men, these two priests that were consumed by fire from God, are, they're dead, and now they're just being carried out in front of everybody and, and carried away. Okay? So this is not something done in secret. Okay? The people know about this. Okay, now down to um, verse, verses 8 through 11 of chapter 10 of Leviticus. God speaking directly to Aaron. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons, with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Okay? This goes to what Malachi is writing about. The priests themselves were to be set apart from the people of God to service to God. They were to know the word of God and teach it to the people. They were to know and distinguish between what is holy and what was common, between what was clean and what was unclean. It was a rocky start to the priesthood, to be sure. And it came at great cost to Aaron uh, and to his sons, but God will be honored as holy. Aaron learned this lesson, and, and so moving forward, the priesthood was taken seriously. Okay? It was something that God was pleased with, which brings us back to Malachi. Let's look back there in Malachi chapter 2, and let's read verse 5. Okay? Having all that in mind, we'll look at, at verse 5. Okay? My covenant with him, Levi, was one of life and peace, and I gave it to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Look at the things that God says here in regard to his covenant with Levi. And he's talking about Aaron and his sons, okay, and then and moving forward from there. I think more specifically, really starting after the deaths of Nadab and Abihu. Okay, that's when, uh, moving forward from there, things were taken more seriously. Okay, and this, this covenant, we're told here, and Malachi, as he writes, says, this covenant was one of life and peace. That is that the people of God were blessed by him with life sustained by him. They were blessed or enriched by this. And also peace. And the word there is shalom. This has the idea of well-being or wholeness. Okay, this is the kind of covenant this is. Life and peace. This was not something that the people worked towards or discovered how to achieve somehow. No, this was a gift from God. The verses say, the verse there says, my covenant with him was one of life and peace. And what? I gave them to him. That life and that peace comes from God. Okay, they, didn't, they didn't figure it out or, or earn it somehow. God gives life, physical, spiritual, eternal life. It comes from God. God gives peace, provision, security, abundance, the forgiveness of sins, it all comes from God. It all brings about life and peace. They did what God required, and God blessed them with everything they needed. 
Okay, that's the, the state of the priesthood moving forward from the, from the beginning. Um, but that's not all that this covenant was. Okay? It was also a covenant of fear, and he feared me, is what it says. God had taught his people to fear him many times by his mighty power. Can you think of any times where God taught his people to fear him? Examples. Parting of the Red Sea. There you go. Yeah. Other thoughts on that? The unparting of the Red Sea. That's true. It didn't stay parted. That was a, that was a mighty act also to unpart it and, and take out the Egyptians. Most recently, uh, in the case of Aaron and the people of his day, by the destruction of two careless priests... God demonstrated his mighty power, and there was fear involved, okay? Other instances, like New Testament, you have Ananias and Sapphira, who lied to the Holy Spirit, and God struck them dead right there, okay? God's name is holy. But this is not a fear that causes one to run from God, okay? But, but to run to God, if we can understand that. It's not a fear of being crushed by him for his people, but, but a fear of displeasing the only one who gives life and peace. And this is a, it's a godly fear. It's, it brings about confidence. It doesn't sound like that goes together when we think of fear, but in terms of our God, to fear God, this is godly and it brings about confidence. Proverbs 14.26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Okay? The verse says, in verse 5, this was a covenant of life and peace. It was a covenant of fear, and it says, he feared me. He feared me. How did he fear God? I'm talking about the priests, Aaron, his sons. How did Levi, in that sense, fear God. The rest of verse 5 explains it. What was that? Okay, to show reverence. Yeah, look at what the end of verse 5 says. Okay, it was a covenant of fear and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Okay, and that goes to what Vic was saying. There's a reverence there. This is, this is what God deserves. This is what he is due. Okay, he, he stood in awe of my name. Okay, and it's, it's not just that someone speaks the name of God and, oh, and you stand in awe of the speaking of the name of God. He stood in, in awe of the name of God. I mean, he stood in awe in the presence of God. That is fearing God. You stand in awe of his name, which which is holy. His name is holy. His name is honored. And these are facts. Okay, nothing people do or can do will ever change the fact that God is holy. Our actions don't make God not holy anymore. The damage people do is making his name despised in the eyes of other people. Okay, not, not actually changing God, but 
but sinning and causing others to sin in not seeing God as holy. And that's what these priests were doing in Malachi's day, offering polluted sacrifices and all the things we saw in chapter 1, not honoring the name of God. They're teaching the people that God doesn't need to be feared. Okay, and that's, that's the problem. This, this is why we should never take the name of God and use it in a vain or flippant way or as a, as a cuss word. Christians shouldn't use the name of God to express disgust about something. His name is to be praised. His name is to be worshipped. We have to be careful. Look, look at the other positive things God says through Malachi about how Levi in the person of Aaron, treated his covenant. Okay, let's look at verse 6. And, and these are positive things, remember. We've been hearing some pretty negative things towards priests. But now here, as God is talking about his covenant with Levi, these are, these are good things. These are the standard. Okay, verse 6. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. Okay, this verse describes the, the walk of the priests. And when Scripture talks about someone's walk, what, are, what is being talked about? Okay, their, their character. Okay, it's not talking about, well, they walk with a, a limp or something like that. Um, it's, it's really a reference to their manner of life, the way they live each day before the Lord, okay, their, their manner of life. So when we talk about walking, for example, we have instruction in the scriptures for how to walk as Christians. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Okay, live that way. Romans 13.13, 13, Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Okay, And that's referred to there as walking properly. As Christians, we should walk properly. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, We exhort each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Okay. The, the walk, the wisdom of Levi, it turned people toward God. This is the way that the priests walked, at peace with God, okay, in uprightness or in righteousness. It says, true instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. The only instruction there is... Uh, is from the priest to the people of God is the word of God. That's, that's the instruction that's being talked about. There's no other instruction, no other source of instruction that the priest is supposed to bring to the people. It is the word of God. Okay? And it says, true instruction was in his mouth. And remember, that is what the priest was charged with, to teach the people the word of God. We saw that when, when the Lord spoke to Aaron and told him what he was to do. That is what the earlier, the early priests were doing. And they were doing it rightly. 
And to make that point even stronger, he says, no wrong was found on his lips. That means that he spoke the word of God to the people in truth. He did not twist the words. He did not give bad counsel. He only spoke the words of God because that is what God commanded. And that is what brings about life and peace. When the people of God hear the word of God, they have what they need for life and peace with God. Not only that, but there's another result to true instruction coming from the mouth of the priest of God. What does verse 6 say is the ultimate result of this kind of instruction? Verse 6 of chapter 2, what does it say is the, the ultimate result of this kind of instruction? Okay, righteous living. Yeah, mine says he turned many from iniquity. The word of God gives life and peace because it keeps the people of God on the right path. Okay, when the people sin or are tempted to sin, the word of God, rightly taught, turns the people of God from sin towards God. Okay, and that's what the priests were doing. He said, he turned many from iniquity. Okay, the, the people weren't sinless people. They were, they were before the priests sinning. But they brought the word of God to bear on the, the, the sins of the people, their manner of life, and they turned them. Okay? Not because they convinced them with uh, good arguments, but because they brought the word of the Lord to bear on the situation. Okay? He turned many. Uh, the priests were doing what they were supposed to do and, and caring for the people of God, for their, their lives, their souls, because that is what the priest of God does. Okay? Look at verse 7 in our passage. That is what the priest does. Verse 7 says, For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Okay, now, we don't have priests today, but we have pastors and teachers of the word of God, and is, is the standard for teaching the word of God any different today than it was then? No. Not only is there a problem with the teachers teaching what is false, but the people will want it. They'll want the false teaching. And, and, and that's the time we live in today. Paul wrote to Timothy about it when he encouraged him to preach the word of God in truth. He said in 2 Timothy 4, uh, verses 3 and 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Okay, and that's, what, that's what's going on with these priests in Malachi's day. They are doing the wrong thing. They are, they are leading people astray. They are changing the word of God. They are not honoring his name, and the people are following it. It's easier they didn't have to bring unblemished animals. They could take the crippled animal and bring it, and the priests would accept it. It's easier. It's cheaper. Uh, they were doing things to just to make things easier for people. Okay, and that's not. It's not right. And the people want it. And just like today, we have access to all kinds of teachers out there, and there's all kinds of false teaching out there. And that's what people want. They, that, that, 
it's very true what Paul said to Timothy. Okay? Our ears are itching. We want things that make us feel good and make us feel comfortable, not things that convict us of our sin. The preaching and teaching of the Word of God rightly is a guard to knowledge. The people have a responsibility to seek it, and the teacher a responsibility to teach it. Why? Because he is the messenger of God. And that is what the the early priests were doing, and that is what God is commending here. Okay, We we see here, initially in chapter 2, this rebuke of the priests for what they're not doing. They haven't laid it to heart to honor his name. And then God talks about his covenant with Levi and how it was and how he was doing this. He lays out the standard for what this should look like. Okay, And then verse 8. He's just laid out the standard for what it should look like. And he says in verse 8, But you have turned aside from the way You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. But these do not do what he did. Okay, if that's what these priests are doing. This is is the opposite of the standard. You know, if if you're, if someone starts by telling you or a group of people about the, the terrible behavior or actions of someone else and how they're doing everything wrong and you're hearing all this negative and then they say, but you, well, that but is kind of a good transition, right? They're starting with the bad and transitioning to the good. So when you're there and they look at you and say, but you, you can expect, oh, I'm different than them. You're, you're contrasting me with them. So you're about to say these good things that I'm doing. Okay, and that's what you would expect if they started with the bad. But here, here Malachi starts with the standard, the, the good standard, the, the covenant of Levi and how they were giving sound instruction and taking care of the people, doing what God wanted them to do. He's starting out with the good. So when they hear, but you, they know that this is, this is not good. This is a negative, this is a... This is a bad contrast, and it's directed right at us. And that's what these priests would have, would have heard in that, as they heard this message of the good, and now the but you is directed at them. And what does he say? You okay, have turned aside from the way. They were on the right path. They were doing what God wanted in, in Aaron's day. But these priests, they have turned aside from the way. There is only one way. It's God's way. And they've turned aside from that. They've gone somewhere else. And what have they done? You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. Yeah, that's, that's the opposite of true instruction uh, and, and causing many, turning many from iniquity. That's the opposite of that. They're causing people to stumble. They're causing people to sin by their instruction. And he says, in fact, you have corrupted the covenant of Levi says the Lord of hosts. Okay? You have corrupted it. And so what does he say in verse 9? And so I make you despised and abased before all the people 
inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Okay, so we're back to the curse now. Verse 9 is, is kind of a continuation here of what he's already stated about the curse. Okay, what did he say um, in verse 3? Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your, offspring, of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. Remember, those were the things taken out of the camp to be done away with. And that's how these, the priests would look in front of the people now. No longer honored, no longer in, a, in a, a position of privilege, but the people would look at them and they would despise them. Okay, And again, here we see in verse 9, this is not just a result of what they're doing. This is God himself. He says, and so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Okay, they're, the idea there is that they are despised or hated. They're brought low. They are abased. They're, they have very low view in the eyes of the people. Okay, they, they are nothing what they used to be. They are no longer in service to God. And this is the doing of God himself. He chose to bring down fire and burn up Nadab and Abihu here. He casts them out. He causes them to be despised in the eyes of the people. They are no longer in service to him. And he says, Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, they have not kept his ways. They have not done what was commanded. They, have, they did not do what, what Aaron and his sons did in following all of God's instruction and having no wrong found on their lips. And they walked with him in peace and uprightness. These priests were not. They were not doing that. Okay, so, so God does this, and he does it, again, for a purpose. Because his name will be honored. That's God's concern. His name will be honored. It's not, again, that they caused him to not actually have honor, but in the eyes of the people, God can be despised because of them. This is the, even if they didn't instruct the people in words that they could despise God, what they were doing, what they were allowing the people to do in their polluted sacrifices, it all brought um, despising to the name of God. Okay? And they are showing partiality in their instruction. They're giving instruction, but they're showing partiality. And we don't know exactly what that was, but maybe, maybe people that had more money, more wealth, would come and they would, they would do things, um, you know, to help them. Whereas poor people, they may not do things to help them. In some way, they were showing partiality. They would give maybe some better instruction to, to one group, but not care about the other group. Uh, in some fashion, they were, they were showing partiality in their instruction. Okay, and it's just another aspect of the way that they were despising the name of God. Okay. And we're, that's as far as we can go tonight, but it doesn't get much better moving forward. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bummer. It's kind of a downer, but especially if you're one of these priests. But for us, it's a reminder. You know, we, we can take instruction from this itself and be reminded that even in our lives that we don't, we don't have the priests doing sacrifices for us and all that because Jesus did that for us. Hey, but God's name is to be honored. It always has been and always will be. 
And that we can learn from this, not to turn away from the way, but to be engaged in the Word of God, reading it ourselves, sitting under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, and being led by the truth of the Word of God so that we don't go astray and go a different way. Okay. Any questions or comments about tonight's study? Anything confusing? Okay. Well, thank you again, everyone, for being here. Let's close in a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, uh, for again, for this night. We thank you for the words of Malachi, Lord, as, as your spirit inspired him to write. Lord, that we can see over and over again your concern with your own name. Not because you're losing it or uh, there's some actual effect on you as being holy, but Father, because your desire is that your name would be seen as holy. And so use us, Father, in our lives, in our walk, with you daily, that it would lead people in the truth, that our lives would uh, be worthy, lived in a manner worthy of you, to bring honor to your name and glory to your name, not honor and glory to ourselves, but Father, that your words would be on our lips, that we would proclaim the truth of the gospel to people, and in all of it, that you would be glorified and honored because you save wretched sinners. They don't save themselves. You bring life, you bring peace through the blood of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, you're dismissed. Thank you, everyone.